What is happening, college draft crafters? This is Dan, this JP, and this is what I guess week three technically of our uh, our new setup where we're doing a, a college show every week. We're doing a pro show every week. And so this is the time that we're with the guys who, you used to be able to say the guys who don't get paid for this, even though we knew, wink, wink, they got paid for it. But now the guys who do actually get paid, just maybe not quite as much as they get paid in the, in the other game. It's the college show. How you doing, bud? I, dude, I'm golden. <laughs> well, let's dive right in there. I'm a little stuffy uh, for, today, because for whatever reason, I was mowing my lawn in the dark last night. So that's I got an interesting life allergies. choice. Well, you got to do it what, when you have time. Yeah. Well, and again, since you got to research for a show to sound like we know what we're talking about, I understand. I, I approve of your choices when it, when you put football in front of uh, mowing the lawn. Your wife might not approve it, but that's something you two can figure out. Uh, so we're going to start things off. We've kind of been doing our conferences based off of, I guess, uh, my power rankings, so to speak, I guess. And, you know, we're, hey, look, we're Big Ten biased here, so we'll put them for the end. But uh, looking at, like, the top 25 teams in the conferences that have the most versus the least versus the quality, it, the Big 12 is at uh, in fifth place right now out of the five conferences that we still currently have. So let's go there and let's start off with probably the biggest piece of uh, of news out of, I guess, the, the Big 12 for a minute in the sense of outside of everything else is caught on with realignment, whatever. For the games, the Red River Rivalry. The Red River Rivalry. Stroke. Matters. Tell you what, Mom. Something got in the way there. But yeah, so it's Texas so and Oklahoma. <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma this week uh, is the first or the third time, I think. First time in like 15 years for the third time ever that both teams come in at 5-0 and or better. And so it'll actually make a difference. And I think that means uh, you got a good excuse to talk about your Longhorns, dude. Well, Texas is going to crush them. But, you know, <laughs> who wins a rivalry is kind of irrelevant to what we do here. But go Texas. Um, so last week when Texas played Kansas City for my little gauntlet guys here, um, you know, Quinn Ewers didn't have the greatest game. He Solid completion percentage, solid yardage, but mm-hmm. one touchdown, one pick. Don't think he played bad enough to hurt his draft stock by any means, but he didn't do anything to help it. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like the same thing with all my guys here. I mean, Xavier Worthy had seven for 93, no touchdowns. He, he you know, solid game, but didn't do mm-hmm. anything to affect that draft stock. And the exact same thing for Jatavian Sanders. He probably had his worst game of the entire year, which is probably <laughs> semi-normal for most tight ends in college football. But, yeah, I just had one mm-hmm. grab for 10 yards. But uh, I just do a quick shout-out. Maybe I'll do a deep dive on him later. Adonai Mitchell is a guy mm-hmm. that, you know, has got solid draft expectations, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, he had 10 grabs for 141 yards and got that one touchdown. So, it was his first good game showing what he's capable of of the year, right. really. So, shout out to him. But that's that's what I got for the Longhorns. And I will say, yeah, you know, I agree with you on him. We're going to talk about him more later. Oh yeah, he, he's a very talented player, and he's probably you know somewhere around a day two pick right now. But we'll see what happens. I'll dive on him. I'll dive on him in the future. Uh, but while we're doing the gauntlet here on the Big Twelve teams. Um, I tried to sneak some extra ones into the Big Ten just so I could catch up with some of your players. But, dude, for the other Big 12 teams, I think I said Big Ten there a minute ago. Yeah, it's okay. I was going to let it go. Yeah. Uh, The numbers are all squiffy now anyways. I got West Virginia, TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, and then the two new teams, UCF and Mm -hmm. uh, Cincinnati. There's not a lot of, like... (laughs) 
the, I was looking at it, and some of the players mm-hmm. that you would think you'd want to talk about are some of the underclassmen. They're not draft eligible right. yet. So the Big 12 is going to have to hang tight before I get some more people into the gauntlet. <laughs> I focused on other conferences here. Right. So. And, and, yeah, hey, no Shoot. disrespect for West Virginia's pulling off, winning some games there. But, yeah, the guys uh, – and that's a team that when you look at the where they're they're at with their coaching staff and everything, I mean, th- this is a guy that people were thinking might get fired at the start of the season. But so far, so good for them. And we'll see if a few guys pop up by the end of, this, uh, end of the year. But the other end of that Red River rivalry is Oklahoma. And while neither of us are Sooners fans, we do have to talk about a couple guys – uh, namely Dylan Gabriel, their quarterback, who, again, undersized, 5'11", kind of 200-pound guy, uh, but anymore it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. They crushed uh, Iowa State 50-20, to which means he ended up with 366 yards and uh, three touchdowns, did throw one pick, but he's only thrown like two on the season so far. Also ran for 37 yards and a couple scores, so a huge game for him as he continues to try to lead Oklahoma back to you know respectability, so to speak, after last year's kind of rough season. And then uh, I want to slide down to the other side of that game, though. Iowa State, even though the team got blown out, TJ Tampa still ended up with 80 tackles. Or 80. 80. <laughs> no, eight tackles. I'm all over the place with my words this morning. Uh, but, yeah, again, Tampa, another good game for the, the uh, safety. Not necessarily amazing. Clearly, you know, the team got blown out, but he's still showing that he can get around to the and has a nose for the football where he needs to be. Uh, believe it or not, Cooper Beebe had another solid game. That guy is – that's Shocker. literally going to be my take on him pretty much the whole year until we you know, move into the end of the, the season and talking about draft prospects and things like that. He's literally just been locking it down at guard. Patrick Paul for Houston, one of the, uh, I guess, I'm not going to say underrated tackles, but a tackle you don't hear about as much because he plays for Houston, uh, gave up his first uh, pressure and first hurry of the season, but they still didn't get a sack or anything. Still, I don't think he's given up a penalty. So he's had an incredibly solid start to the year. We'll see how the rest of it goes with the rest of his Big 12 season. And then uh, Kingsley Suamatea over there at BYU. His uh, pass blocking has been off the charts. Dude had like a 90 in his last game. Uh, He's an interesting prospect because this is a dude who is technically a redshirt sophomore. So he's only 20. He could stay for another year at BYU. So he might be a guy we end up talking about next year as well. But uh, for his athleticism, his size... And his age, he's playing very well. And if he continues to play this well, there are going to be people in his ear saying, hey, you need to come out in the NFL. So we'll look at him as we go through the season as well. Let's jump over to the ACC. Do you have anybody over there at the ACC? I feel like you got a couple guys. Well, I guess, I'll, you know, I just kind of did like a, a mini dive. I feel kind of guilty on this because it's not an official <laughs> dive so maybe i'll like do a part two on this player later but i felt bad for not having anybody in there yet i did do a a deep Mm -hmm. dive on on some acc players so we'll see that in the second part of the show but my mini deep dive i did i did on a guy who didn't even play this week you call it a shallow dive what do you you call it yeah shallow dive (laughs) my type of dive because i can't swim man but Ah, i I did a, a, a tiny dive on uh, Mr. Cameron Kitchens here from Miami, just because mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of draft type around him. So I, I was like watching guy. his tape. I do too. I really do too. I was watching his tape though, and he's a. You can see this this dude's he's athletic man. He he's mm-hmm. going to be for a safety. He's going to be quick. Uh, he's got very decent weight, if you will, but he's allegedly mm-hmm. a little undersized from what you see in most safeties these days. He's he's five ten. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he's he's good in the run support as a safety he's got to be. He's definitely a, a, right. a pretty solid tackler. But um, 
I'd say he's like just as physical as he needs to be. Like he's not overly physical. He's not like you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. He just doesn't. He doesn't look like most stud safeties should the way they play. But I will say that he's physical enough. He's good. He's a willing tackler. He can make those tackles. He plays with mm-hmm. a lot of intensity and a high motor. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's just different. But maybe maybe it's a, a it's the modern day DB. You know what I mean? He, he right. definitely seems like he's more of just the mold who can kind of play in the nickel rather than be a pure corner or even a pure, you know, like right, like strong the old strong safety, if you will. It's definitely mm-hmm. a free safety or a nickelback type vibe that I get from him. Yeah, um, and again, when you're five ten, you're gonna have a trouble matching up against the six foot five tight end, but you can match up against running backs and wide receivers. Yeah. So in I, the problem is though is I, I feel the free safety vibe more than the nickelback vibe with him because he he gives a lot of space. And I don't okay. know if it's because he looks fast. He 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 will give that wide receiver a ton of room. So I mean so is if he, he baiting is the question. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But you know Yeah, but when you bait you, you get burned too. Exactly. But and you go he's maybe baiting, but you go look at his stats. Yeah, he's got a pick. That's pretty solid. I mean, one pick. I mean, some guys don't get any and they're still good, but um it's weird because he's you could go the baiting route. He doesn't have a ton of pass. He's got zero pass deflections. He's only got the one pick on the year. But then mm-hmm. you think about the safety aspect where, you know, maybe he's, you know, being more of a tackler and stuff. He's only got 10 tackles on the year, too. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It's a little bit more than yeah. a shallow dive. It's not a pure deep dive. That's just what I see on <laughs> tape. He plays sure. more of like a free safety when he should be a nickel type guy. He gives too much space, but he's super athletic, plays physical mm-hmm. for the size that he is. Uh, good player. Yeah. Um, I don't see him as a, a round one guy. I don't. Sure. A day two guy, absolutely. But you can go ahead and chalk that up as a mini dive for me. That's my <laughs> only That's my only ACC guy until I do the deep dives later. Nice. Well, that's one of the things, too, to, to consider as we go through these players. When we look at them, we're going to be, be evaluating them like that. Are they in a position because of how they've been schemed to be in that position? Maybe it's a coaching thing. Maybe it is just him trying to rely on whatever has gotten him to this point. And so it's always interesting to see when guys have to make that change from it just being all physical to you know, getting the head game in there as well. A few guys from the Clemson Tigers, the two uh, linebackers, everyone's high on Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter. And again, I'm not saying that either you or I look at them as as blue chip, you know, locks for the first round, but a lot of people do. And uh, both of them came away with seven tackles. Barrett Carter had a sack as well. So nice tidy game there for Clemson, even if uh, things aren't going quite as well for their season overall. <coughs> Nick Wiggins is another name that I've seen a lot of people put on to lists. And I'm, I'm putting him on the gauntlet just because of that reason. Like a lot of guys think he could be a first round uh, corner. He has not done much of anything to impress me so far this season. So we'll have to look into him a little more later on. I normally talk about guys from North Carolina and Florida State, but they both had bye weeks. So nothing really new to report on any of them. Uh, the other team, though, Duke Blue Devils, Graham Barton had another solid game uh, at tackle. Again, although there's, there's a lot of speculation he might move inside at the next level, he's still showing that he's a lineman prospect that a lot of people are going to be pegging for first couple round spot. The other team, though, or the other player on the team, though, Riley Leonard, the, the quarterback that's kind of been wowing people with his legs even more so than anything else against Notre Dame, ended up only 134 yards passing. Touchdown on a pick, but 88 yards rushing. And uh, you know what? Everything was great for him and Duke, and they were looking like they were about ready to, to come back and maybe make a move to beat Notre Dame. And then Riley Leonard 
got rolled up on and has a high ankle sprain and will probably be out for a couple weeks. So we're going to push pause on his you know, ascendancy for now. We'll see how he comes back from that ankle sprain. And uh, we're going to see what he can do throwing the football because it does seem like he's more of a, of a hybrid uh, quarterback right now that needs some time to develop on the passing game. Why don't we go out west? What do you got for the Pac-12? All right, I'm going to stick with my usual order here. So I got my two usual suspects here for Oregon. Bo Nix just crushed another game, man. 27 (laughs) for 32, 294 Mm -hmm. touchdowns. Um, Even did a tiny bit on the ground. but Dude, I'm starting to think it was Auburn, not Bo Nix, that was the problem at Auburn. (laughs) Yeah, man. And it's curious, like, I definitely think he did something to help his draft stock again. This guy just mm-hmm. he's he's basically just put him down for right around three hundred and four touchdowns every week, it feels like. Right. Does it feel like you can give Troy Franklin two touchdowns every week too? Because he went for seven, <laughs> one seventeen and two. Troy's not complaining. So I I mean, I, I don't know, man. Like Bo Nix at this point, you're looking at him. Obviously he, I, he's a first round pick, but mm-hmm. He keeps going like this. He's going to end up going to the top half, maybe top ten of this draft. <laughs> well, and you got to look at it too, though. The last couple of games have been against two pretty terrible defenses in Colorado and Stanford. They, they have this week but off. He just looks good while he's doing it, dude. In two weeks is the game, though. That's Oregon Washington in two weeks. That one's going to be. I fun. can't wait. That's a Pac-12 championship right there. Right. Uh, but yeah, Troy Franklin. I don't care what anybody says. This might end up being my little Raji Reich, Reich, Raji Reich. <laughs> Reich. We're having all Crush. kinds of fun. Uh, usually, yeah, we no, unintentionally misprint. Like usually, we're trying to be confident about the pronunciations, and we're yeah. getting them wrong. This today, you we're might. just all over the place. Ah. Yeah, I, I'm just terrible with it. Today, I'm just doing it with humor, I guess, unintentionally. But yeah, Troy Franklin, seven for one seventeen, two touchdowns. I'm dude. This guy's gonna end up going the first round. I don't care what anybody says. Sure. His tape looks great. I haven't done dives on everybody yet, but he's a candidate. To mm-hmm. be, he's guaranteed in my mind. I feel like he's gonna be a top five wide receiver for me. Maybe sure. higher, maybe higher. Really like this guy. Um, as far as Washington's usual suspects go, interesting game for Mr. Penix Jr. Thirty for forty, <laughs> three hundred sixty-three mm-hmm. yards, but he didn't throw a single touchdown. They just did it all on the ground today. Only the second kinda, time in the last two years half, where he hasn't a touchdown. Right. He took a half a half a day off. If that makes any sense. <laughs> just the red zone. He took the red zone off. He's like, all right, you yeah. guys can pad your you stats, boys. You got it from here, right? So with that being said, you know, no <laughs> touchdowns. I mean, uh, Roma Dunsey, just you know, five for 64, nothing crazy, no touchdowns or anything. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that either one of these guys hurt their draft stock by any means no. in that game. So I think I think they're going to be okay on it. Now, on the mm-hmm. back end, though, guess what? Braylon Trice, he got in there. Hey! He got a sack. It uh, It is possible. It does exist. We'll see if, you know, it just took him him a little bit to get going. (laughs) Week five of the college football season, he got in there and got a sack. Let's Mm -hmm. see if he can keep this trend because this was was a guy who I thought could potentially be my number one edge rusher (laughs) going into this year. So did he help Mm -hmm. his draft stock in this one? Absolutely. Because people are, he's, (laughs) you know, you go do, you go monkey around on some mock draft sites and, He's a guy who will still go in the back end of the first round. I don't see that based on how he started this year, but we'll see if mm-hmm. he can change that narrative. This game definitely, definitely helped. Um, well, and again, you know, any... we talk about 
Well, to finish on Trice, we talk about uh, guys, and you obviously have your eye test, you look at the pieces, and then we go the pro football focus bit that you're not always a huge fan of. But uh, he isn't doing quite as well as last year. Like, he had an 87 overall last year. He's only at, sitting at an 80 right now. But that, that fact that he is at an 80 is indicative of the fact that he's done things in the game that just weren't showing up on the stat list uh, in the sense mm-hmm. of, like, the tackles and the sacks. He's had the hits and the hurries and you know, getting getting around there. But uh, the biggest question mark for him right now is can the dude figure out how to not miss tackles? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's going to be huge. I mean, part of the reason why I say I don't know if I think he should be in the, in the first round or not, but right, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's a. I think it's going to end up being a weaker edge class. So, so maybe still, maybe right. just on the nature of the position. But mm-hmm. uh, last team for me, which will be a great transition for you, because you can probably slide right into USC. I'm going to go to that Colorado-USC game here. Mm-hmm. Dude, Shadur Sanders, 30 for 45, 371, four touchdowns. Yeah, he threw a pick, but then on the ground, he also had 14 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown there as mm-hmm. well. He brought his um, team back. He did bring his team back against one of the most despicable defenses I can <laughs> recall seeing recently. Right, Worst defense on a 5-0 and team I've seen in a while. But I don't know, man. I don't want to spend a ton of time on Shadur Sanders, but if mm-hmm. he keeps playing like that, he's really going to have to think long and hard about potentially going pro and right. not doing exactly what Dion wants him to do. But <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I, if he went pro, yeah, he would end up going the first round. So would he would grab him. Sure. Oh, yeah. I he definitely it. would at the rate he's I going. I do want. I do want to give a mini shout-out, though, to a true freshman on this team. And obviously, if Shadur goes yeah. pro, then we'll see how that goes. But Amari and Miller, dude. <laughs> yeah, if you weren't going to talk about it, I was going to say you missed out. 196 for a touchdown. I mean, true. Mm-hmm. F- he's a, I think he's a true freshman. He this is his first freshman. game. His yeah, first action first that game. he's gotten. Yeah. So, and so again, hey, look. to him. Against that defense, so who knows. <laughs> right. But we'll see what this guy can do. Well, and if yeah, if you want to have your first game, then maybe you have it against a, a team that's not not gonna scare you too much defensively. And for him too, I mean, again, they've got Arizona State this week, so this is another opportunity for Colorado. They should be able, hypothetically, like the next two weeks are Arizona State and Stanford, and so you'd think that they're gonna be in decent shape to grab a couple wins going into their bye, hopefully. But yeah, the flip side of that game was USC, and it was Caleb Williams doing Caleb Williams things, continuing to not really. Uh, surprise anybody with what he's doing and continuing to put himself in that conversation at the uh, the top of the the heap when it comes to the quarterback class right now. 403 yards, six touchdowns, one pick. Of course, uh, that's against an atrocious defense as well. I mean, like it was it was almost like it was two matadors in a ring with a bull just keeping on waving the teams through pretty much. And I mean, but again, uh, you look at Williams, he put his team in front early and Shadur Sanders had to come back, you know, uh, at the end. So give him points to both guys. Kalen Bullock's the other guy we're talking about uh, on the Trojans right now. Uh, he's uh, had five tackles, had another solid game, sitting up around 80 right now, the pro football focus. So he's one of the the top safeties that I think a lot of people are still talking about uh, early on in this season. And so continuing to play well for uh, Southern Cal. And again, same thing for them when you look at their upcoming games and, and who they're looking at uh, in the next few weeks. They have uh, a pretty a pretty you know decent slate until they get into something a little bit more crazy. They've got Arizona this week. 
and then uh, and then the, the next like window from the middle of October to beginning of November is when it gets real interesting out there in the Pac-12. So we'll have a lot of a lot of movement happening. When you talk about guys who helped their, or hurt their draft stock, that'll be when that happens. And uh, UCLA didn't play this week, so no updates on our boy uh, Latu over there. But Arizona did have a game, and Jordan Morgan, another one of the tackles that uh, people don't talk about quite as much, had another solid effort out there. So it's hard to sit back and say, oh, we had this many pancakes or that whatever. We don't think we have quite those kinds of stats, but he's still looking good out there for Arizona, which is a bright spot on that team that's still kind of struggling to come up with their identity. Let's go south and east. I got some guys right. to talk about in the SEC. How about you? Yes, I do. And I got another shallow dive. So mm. I might actually only do like four or five deep dives today because I'm doing <laughs> shallow dives here. Uh, but I'll save the shallow dive for last. I'll start with Alabama here. Um and get the usual suspects out of the way. So Dallas Turner, guess what? Danny got in there for a sack again. Hey. Five tackles, got a sack. Definitely helping his draft stock. He's definitely edge rusher number one at this point. I don't see anyone challenging that. If you're edge rusher number one, you could be top five guaranteed, top ten. That's mm-hmm. just where he's going to go. It is, it is what it is. Dude, I've so. seen some people putting our boy Latu as the top edge, so there's, there's a little bit of a conversation to be had. Still yeah, early. but Latu is like 45 years old, so by the time draft day rolls around, it's not <laughs> happening, dude. Dallas Turner's going above Latu. Just saying. Sure. Uh, yeah. So in Kool-Aid, um, well, he only showed up on a stat sheet here because, well, he played in the game. <laughs> did you PFF him in this one? Like, okay. Which is, I didn't – he still did not impress me. I didn't watch it as mm-hmm. intently as I did some of the other ones because – there are other games I was way more in tune to, but sure, I'm missing it with this guy, man. I just don't see where all the hype is on him. I, I'm, I'm completely missing. It. He didn't get a tackle. PFF but, likes him. I know they do. Yeah, an 80 in this I, game. I guess I get it because they didn't they didn't target him a ton, but right. Well, he had I mean, uh, yeah, he had a hit, a hurry. He had two targets, and neither of those were catches. And he had a fumble too. When he well. Had <laughs> He's not graded on that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I just more to come on him. I've done the deep mm-hmm. dive. You can go back and listen to last week's episode. Just I'm not seeing it a ton, but I started right. to do. I did a, a kind of a. I guess I kind of did two shallow dives here. J.C. Latham, <laughs> the tackle. I did a dive on mm-hmm. him, dude. He looks so like uncomfortable, and he looked like just slow. Like and I didn't. I'm not talking just specifically in this game. I went back and watched some clips mm-hmm. of a lot of tape. He it feels like he just gets beat. He's so slow off the snap, and he looks so like stiff and like Gumby. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I don't, I'm not feeling it with JC Lathan. I tell you what, he's got no chance of playing left tackle in my mind. I could see him sure. playing right tackle. I could see mm-hmm. him sliding in and playing guard. Be a bigger guard, but right. Um, I, I'm not seeing it with him either. I, mm-hmm. I, I'll go well, back. Alabama agrees with you. <laughs> They've only played him at right tackle pretty much his whole yeah, season so far, last couple yeah, years. Yeah, but you you see a lot of these other sites and whatnot. They'll rank Latham up there as a top three or four tackle in this draft, and right tackles Oops. don't go. And Yeah, they're not. No. No. <clears throat> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> He's not athletic enough. He cannot play left tackle uh, to right. be determined if I feel confident or not in him playing in the right he he just looks slow and stiff, man. He reacts slow. I don't like it. I think he's gonna get mm-hmm. beat because everybody in the NFL is fast. <laughs> he will get yeah. beat with speed every single day. You don't even need moves on this guy. Mm-hmm. So 
that that's what I got there for uh, Alabama. I'm going to slide to Arkansas here. K.J. Jefferson didn't impress me a ton in this Texas A&M mm-hmm. game. I, I think he did hurt his draft stock, in my opinion. Yeah, nine, <laughs> I texted nine you, didn't I? Like, I texted you that he only needed, like, 130 yards to break the record or oh, whatever and he got for Arkansas. Yeah. And he barely crossed over that, yeah. Yeah, he did the Tough bare minimum. Stuff. So, 9 for 17, 132, one touchdown, one pick, lost this game to Texas A&M. It, it, it just mm-hmm. didn't look good, man. Um, but I did sneak Mr. Raheem Sanders in oh, here, yeah. so it's another mini shallow dive. Sorry, I'm trying to catch up with <laughs> some of these players. And we'll have to Wait, you talk about yeah, well, you talk about mini shallow dive on him. You did a pretty dive, pretty solid dive on him last season. Oh, I did. Well, because he missed a few games being dinged up here, but he's finally mm-hmm. back on the ground. Didn't impress me a ton. He's clearly going to be their lead back, unless you're counting mm-hmm. KJ Jefferson's 18 <laughs> carries for negative three yards. Right. But he, he only Raheem only had 11 carries for 34 yards. He did get two catches for 36 yards in the in the passing game. Um, mm-hmm. Way too early to tell if this. It, impacted his draft stock in any way shape or form so right. uh more to come on him as we, we we dive but i thought he could easily be one of the top five running backs in this draft um mm-hmm. not so much right now but my other little shallow dive here you and i talked about him off the air south carolina xavier leggett mm-hmm. okay he in this game he only went had five grabs for 50 yards okay but He's had a pretty solid season so far. This is his fifth year, and it's really the only season he's ever done anything. But 32 grabs for 606 yards and three touchdowns. But this guy's like DK Metcalf, light. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even light. He's like 6'3 <laughs> and like 230. He's okay, pretty so he's DK up. Metcalf. <laughs> yeah, and he's pretty rocked up. And I heard somewhere that when you do like those next-gen stats, we had the mm-hmm. ball in his hand. Dude was clocked it going 23 miles per hour. You Thank you. You know what 6'3 at 2.30 moving at 23 miles per hour can do? So oh, I, I'm adding I'm adding to the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Clearly he hadn't done a lot in the past, so there's not a lot you can go watch on this guy other than what I had seen this week. And then I kind of – I saw – okay, so I saw the game, and then <laughs> I heard this – because I was watching Florida. You know me. I watch Florida. And then right. I heard some uh, an, another show's take on this guy, and they're the ones saying that the 23 miles per hour. And I went back and kind of looked at it, and it's was like, man – how is this guy just now figuring it out? But long right. story short, it, this year he looks good. He's done some great mm-hmm. things. But I mean, I there's not enough there. I, he's a day three pick, in my opinion, where you're just shooting for the moon with potential. But well, um, we'll, we'll see, see how the rest I'll of the be, season goes. Maybe Spencer Rattler listens to you and says, "Hey, I should target this guy a little more often." Yeah, maybe, maybe. So more to come on, on Mr. Leggett. But that's all I got for the SEC. Well, jumping over to the other side of that game, Tennessee, one of the players that uh, we're kind of talking about as in that next-tier quarterbacks, Joe Milton, not a great game for him. Oh, it was Tennessee. I said it was Florida, didn't I? Yeah, that's okay. Florida played Kentucky. I I guess you didn't want to talk about them. (laughs) Yeah, I was talking – the reason I was watching that one is because I was talking to our friends in Tennessee there because they were watching Uh the game. You know, and we were bantering back and forth, so I tuned in a little bit so I could give them – a little grief, but that's what it there was. It was in Florida. My bad. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, Joe Milton, uh, not a great game for him. 239 yards, uh, touchdown, two picks. They still ended up winning the game pretty comfortably, but he definitely didn't do anything to help himself this week. It's The thing about Joe Milton is everybody kind of knows who he is right now. He needs to have some uh, kind of shiny moments for people to uh, to move him up the, the ladder on the quarterback list because, again, tantalizing potential, there's no doubt, but 
with the exception of pretty much Josh Allen, most quarterbacks don't get more accurate when they go to the NFL. So uh, unless somebody can figure Easy. that one out. Well, look, that's what I'm saying. Josh Allen is the exception to the rule so far, and uh, we're, we're both pretty happy about that. But Jalen Wright, running back at Tennessee, 123 yards and a touchdown, so solid day for him. Uh, again, didn't certainly did not hurt himself uh, in that respect. Over at Texas A&M, that game they had against uh, Arkansas, McKinley Jackson, one of the better defensive tackles we're expecting to see, ended up with half a sack and three tackles, which is about what you'd think from a defensive tackle in a game like that. So solid effort for him. Certainly didn't do anything to hurt himself there. Uh, Louisiana State, LSU, losing a game to Ole Miss, but uh, Malik Neighbors had himself a solid game. Uh, eight for uh, 102. So, again, no touchdowns in that one, but, I mean, hey, look, you get eight catches for 102 yards, you're doing just fine. Uh, Mason Smith, though, defensive lineman that I kind of talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, I literally put in caps, not going well. He's not <laughs> grading well. He's just he's just a big body that's hanging out right now, man. And so I'm not sure if he's thinking he can coast on something or if he's just – I'm not sure what's going on with that guy's head right now. The opposite side to that game at Ole Miss – Jackson Dart and a guy that I have been maybe a little bit higher on than some other people just what he's been able to do so far I still think he's more of the back end of that quarterback class as well in the sense of the the, not in the top five might be in that next five or down from there because again we look at this being as much as this might be a weak edge rusher class this is a solid quarterback class which I don't know if that's going to mean more guys going in the first round or just more guys going over the first three rounds but 389 yards four touchdowns 50 yards running and another touchdown there so five touchdowns as they beat LSU a big game for him, and then resulting from that, Trey Harris, who's a 6'2 wide receiver for Ole Miss, is another guy that I've talked about that I think has some potential to be called pretty early in the NFL draft. Eight catches, 153, and a touchdown. So uh, Ole Miss's offense, again, that was a defense optional game as well. They won, what, 55-49, I think, something like that. So another big game for Ole Miss and for their offense, and that's uh, Lane Kiffin staple, so it shouldn't be too surprising they put up numbers there. But Jackson Dart, People were curious about whether or not he was going to be able to hold off Spencer Sanders, the uh, Oklahoma State transfer, and he's done everything he's needed to do so far to impress people. Mississippi State, Jet Johnson, linebacker I talked about a couple weeks ago. Linebacker for you, JP. 14 Mm -hmm. tackles and a sack in that game. 14 tackles and a sack. So continuing to fire at the ball. Really good-looking middle linebacker, uh, and it's got a great name, Jet Johnson. Last bit for the SEC. I thought you were going to say jet at the ball and not fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, just jet engines fire. All You've right. seen that. Come on now. I'm trying to uh, save it. I- it. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't really save it. Still, we'll we'll <laughs> talk about jet jetting around. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Amarius Mims, like we talked about, he's out for the season. But Cedric Van Pran, the other offensive lineman, had an 84.5 in the pass blocking for Georgia. Helped out there. Uh, but the big name from that game is the man that, that we've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about all season, Brock Bowers. He went Jeez. Bowser in this game, man. Eight catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. And that touchdown was the big touchdown that gave him the breathing room they needed to win that game against Auburn. So while most of the team kind of felt like they were sleepwalking through this one, Brock Bowers doing damage, and now people are starting to give him a little bit of Heisman love. And let's be honest, if there's ever a tight end that's going to win the Heisman, it's this guy. <laughs> he's got to be in the conversation, even though he's not. I would, he needs to be. He'll be in my conversation. Oh, hey, look, if we had votes, uh, he'd be right there for me. There's no doubt. Big Ten, man. Well, Dan, uh, Big Ten's going to be a little bit of a shorter take, which is good for me. And maybe it won't be because I have to talk about my guy. <laughs> but I don't have to talk. I, I'm not, I have... Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, mm-hmm. 
Agbuka, Eichenberg, Burke, all those guys that are in my gauntlet. Well, Ohio State was on a mm-hmm. bye week. So yep. they didn't hurt their draft stock, and they certainly did not <laughs> help it either. But I'm here to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch the Michigan State-Iowa game? I caught parts of it. Sorry, so Kate. Doug and, Doug and Ben. You, buddy. Doug and Ben, two guys mm-hmm. from my work here. I was like, dude, you guys are going to. Like, they're not super upset because they don't expect to win another game the entire rest of the season. They're Sparty <laughs> fans, by the way. Sorry, right. I didn't yeah. I didn't mention that because I live Clarify. in East Lansing. They're definitely Sparty fans. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. you guys are going to feel so bad when when my guy Cooper DeJean just destroys you. <laughs> my goodness, did Cooper and, DeJean, and I'll admit, he here, I'll be fair, though. He did miss a couple tackles. I watched mm-hmm. this game very closely. I watched, like, all of it. He missed a couple yeah. of and sorry, Cade McNamara. Dang, he's done for the year, too. That sucks. Mm-hmm. But Feeling for him. But this couldn't have been any better, especially if you're giving the banter to the Michigan State fans because I'll give a quick shout-out here before I get into Cooper again, but you see mm-hmm. Eric All's impressive game, an yep. ex-Michigan yep. Wolverine. So I was like, of course, yep. of course he had to get in there. And that touchdown he got, he broke like – felt like – it felt like in the moment he broke like eight tackles on that play. Maybe he did, but <laughs> impressive, especially everything he's overcome mm-hmm. with that life-changing surgery and whatnot. So shout out to right. him. Maybe he'll make my radar later. But Cooper DeJean, man, I get it. This interception wasn't like he had to like make a play and jump in front of the wide receiver and cut a route and do this or mm-hmm. that. But did dude, he looked so smooth and confident. Like that was like a double toe tap back of the end zone. He looked like a wide receiver. <laughs> Catching this mm-hmm. ball just over the shoulder, it, I swear it looked like Michigan State just threw the ball to him. Like, right. ooh, Cooper's open, lob, <laughs> boom, nailed it, perfect pass, nice toe tap. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. interception. But yeah, he might have missed a couple tackles, but he still got six tackles in this game. I was very impressed. I'd give him like an eighty-five on PFF. Mm-hmm. I was doing. I don't know what they gave him, but <laughs> especially if you factor in his seventy-yard punt return when he took right. that set when he housed. That 70-yard punt return, I just got a bunch of the, your favorite uh, hand emojis on my phone coming through from those guys from work. <laughs> yeah. So a yeah, big shout-out to Cooper. He's showing his athleticism in special teams. He's showing his confidence and ability to catch the ball with plays like that and his awareness of the sidelines and mm-hmm. the double toe taps would have been good in the NFL. I don't know. It's my guy, dude. You know what you know, the, uh, guy this year. the NFL passer rating against him was in that state game? Hmm. 14.9. <laughs> I'll take it. He's locking it down, as you'd expect. So, sorry, else that, was, the... that was – well, I got the Michigan guys, but we can, we can right. share that. I mean, but I, I did a little – it's going to be hard for me to always just slightly cover my guy Cooper. I was high on him <laughs> yeah. last year. Look, we can have the Cooper watch every week. It's fine. Uh, but, yeah, Michigan, again, uh, I, I texted you. I don't think I texted anything about it. In the back of my head, I'm like, okay – Road trip, first road trip, road trip yeah, out to Nebraska. Game, texted you. <laughs> and Nebraska can be tough sometimes, you know, to, for, for Michigan to play against. And they, they've stumbled a little bit coming out the gates in some road games. And they went in there and blew the doors off. They blew the corn cobs off the stocks out there in Nebraska and just absolutely crushed them. And J.J. McCarthy, <clears throat> his stat line, 156 and two touchdowns because he it's barely he needed had to play. Yes. Blake but Corm, my favorite my favorite part cuz he barely had to play. <laughs> my favorite part about JJ's stat line though is the 12 for 16, man. Like it, 
Mm-hmm. He just was on point he in this game. He continues to be efficient. Like I said, those couple throws against uh, Bowling Green notwithstanding, he has been pretty much the most efficient quarterback in the country so far. And that's something the teams at the next level really value. If a guy can get the ball around where he needs to get the ball around with, with efficiency, with timing, with accuracy, and he's got the mobility that J.J. does, yeah, we're going to keep talking about him as the season goes on. So, and what I would say about him, though, because, you know, this really is about the draft stock. Last week, mm-hmm. it did feel like he hurt his draft stock, but it felt like this week he just got back to where he was. Because right. it made it look like last week was just a, a rough day or a one-off or something like yep. that. Yep. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know about you, but other guys that I I kind of just snuck for a shallow dive. I snuck Donovan Edwards in, so I got both running backs sure. this week. <laughs> Play Corum. Yeah. 16 for 74, one touchdown. I don't think he hurt his draft stock. It's still pretty nope. obvious he that he doesn't look the same played. as last year. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't need to play a ton either. Well, and again, for, the way we talked about Harbaugh talking about his, his running backs, he's not going to overwork these guys. At least he doesn't want to overwork these guys this year. And I think Corum towards the end of last season was getting overworked. Yeah, he 100% was. And that's why I had an interesting take on Donovan Edwards here. Yeah, he got it going a little bit, not a ton. It was mm-hmm. still a semi-rough game, 14 for – 48, and he only had one grab through the air. But, I mean, to your point, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten <laughs> different carry, people carried the ball in this game. Yep. No, obviously some were quarterback, but right. Um, just saying, like, it, I mean, shoot, I feel big like boy Donovan Mullen's Edwards. Carries. Yeah, he got hit a nice one, too, but at a 20 yard or touchdown. I, Donovan Edwards, though, he I still stand by he's the perfect running back for today's NFL for the passing oh, yeah. game. But mm-hmm. I just feel like he's one of those guys who needs. Like, he's not a guy who can come in and do what Mullins did. You know, five carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown. I feel like he's sure. one of those guys you just keep feeding him the ball, and eventually it's he's going to break a few or make a few mm-hmm. great pass cut. You know what I mean? It's a – what am I What am I trying to say there? There's a fancy way no, you're, to say you're, it. You're expecting him – he's t- going to have an explosive play at some point. If you give him enough carries, he's going to break something. Whereas yeah. a guy like Mullins, whatever, you just know he's a hammer who you're going to throw in there, and he's going to, you know, beat some guys. and he, But he's never going to break a play. Like both Corum and Edwards have home run potential every time they touch the ball. You just don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I just think he's perfect for today's NFL. But at this point, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he he's probably I don't know what like a third round pick at this well, point. Well, that's the thing though too. People, he, if he continues to trend where he's at, where he's u- being used kind of as a complimentary role for Michigan, he might get drafted later than he should, and then it, and people are going to be all surprised and like, oh my gosh, this third or fourth round draft pick is lightened up. It's like, yeah, we knew he would. Yep. <laughs> and that's Especially part of the fun. That's why we do this show. For today's NFL, we can't go past mm-hmm. Roman Wilson here with the four for 58 and two touchdowns. He's got like right. eight, 83 touchdowns on the season already. <laughs> I, don't know, I think it's actually like eight. He's but, just dude, finding he's, his way in the end zone. This guy, like, he's not big. He's not strong. He's not fast. He, he's been there for a while. He just gets things not done. Not with the, Yeah, I was about to say. So when when are we going to get to the good part? But yeah, he does. This is he just your foot. He's just a football player. And, you well, know, and again, and he's the the Jerry Rice Memorial of doesn't do anything well, but his whole game is incredibly done well. <laughs> yeah, I. It's, I don't know. More more to Solid come on him, but we, we've been on Michigan for a while, so we, we can move that on. Happens. Um, yeah, that's well, it I'll for my big to, uh, What else you got? I got a couple of players. Uh, Olu Fashano over there with Penn State, still doing great with his pass blocking. Not too much to con- be concerned there. Chop Robinson, a guy that you know I was high on 
coming into the year. I think some other people were as well. Has not produced a ton. He had four hurries in this game, which he's, again, he's a guy who's not impacting the pass rush the way we thought he would so far this season. So maybe he's just trying to get things together, or maybe it's just that he's getting close but not quite. Kind of like we were talking about with uh, Hutchinson with the Lions, and Hutch broke through, so hopefully Chop will against a team that's not Michigan. Uh, and then uh, another player that a lot of people were high on, when you look at some of the the – draft uh mock mocks and big boards and things like that uh and that uh, guy was uh was with was was mr king there for uh for penn state and they've got two kings so i want to make sure i get the name right uh it's not kobe king he's kalen king is a, a guy a lot of people put up there but it's not been going well for him he's not had a great season so far so i don't know if he's just getting a slow start maybe he's reading some of his press clippings but that's a player that a lot of people thought was going to be a first round draft pick as a, as one of the top three four corners and it's he's not right now so we'll see how the season continues for him Jason newton probably the best uh, interior defensive lineman in the in the country had three or tackles is he? Well, he's right up there. We'll talk about some other bodies that uh, might challenge him as we go forward. Uh, 64 on the PFF. That's not a great game. They, nobody had a great game for Illinois against Purdue, so it was a little awkward for them. And the last guy from the Big Ten, Braden Allen, the big old back from Wisconsin in the long list of big old backs from Wisconsin. 116 yards and two touchdowns. Certainly not hurting his draft stock with games like that as he's continued. He's probably considered uh, the best big back, I think, right now that's going to come out this season. Time to talk about some beer there, sir. Oh, okay, man. I already forgot the name of it. I had the can around here. I was going <laughs> to save it. it I, I, so I kind of went back to what we did last year and picked a game that we were we were going to talk about. Uh-huh. Right, and kind of tried to do a, a beer from that game, per se. Sure. So I went with one of the primetime games, and I was I was drinking myself a Texas beer. Aha. Uh-huh. It's from yeah, 903. 903. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was that? What was that thing called? You were looking at I it. I think banana... it was called a banana coconut cream pie. Dude, banana coconut cream pie. You and your bananas, go in. Uh, yeah. bananas. Uh, I want to just do a short one on this. I loved this beer. It was very good. Yeah, it was a little <laughs> sweet. It was a little, you know, mm-hmm. semi artificially flavored, but it, it it was it was fantastic. It was very enjoyable. I highly recommend it. I'm gonna go back. I only bought one of them. I'm gonna go back and see if there's a couple more. Yeah, but... save me one. Yep, I, maybe. No promises. <laughs> this thing was good, so it got me. It got me thinking for a future episode, you know, yeah. or something we might have to do. We might have to sit and like rank our favorite, like flavored beer things. Because you know I me, mean? I'm not okay. a big like. I like your just oatmeal stouts. I like just a right. IPA, or you know. But like you start getting into these crazy like artificially flavored seems like things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some out there that I like a lot. So we might have to rank our like top six like flavor, <laughs> flavor six pack of flavor beers. Banana is going to be in there. Maybe even coconut too. But banana is mm-hmm. going to be in there somewhere. I-, I enjoyed this thing. Go get it. There you go. Well, hey, and to talk about beers you had recently, I found that pineapple one from Maui. I haven't had it yet. It's sitting in the fridge. But I'll oh, that pineapple, you know what I think the mana. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna give that one it's a shot. One. Uh, but instead, what I'm going to talk about is yesterday. So I had a little gap, you know, with what I do. You you do your thing uh, in your day job. I've got, uh, you know, this whole production company where I do the video and the podcasting and the photography and all that kind of stuff. So I met with a client. And after that, I had like a two-hour window between when I had that meeting got done and the next thing I had to do. And I'm like, I could go home, but it's kind of dumb with the drive. I could go to a coffee shop. I was like, or I can go to a brewery and I can do some Sounds research. Good. And so went to Harmony Brewing here in Grand Rapids because I hadn't been there in a while uh, and had a little flight with them. Tried to try Sour Tops, 
which you would not have liked. Love the name. Uh, it was yeah, it was a great name. It's a fruited sour. It wasn't honestly that great. I'm not sure if maybe it was because the first beer of the day or maybe because I caught it towards the end of its run or whatever. It was all right. It was like 275. Had Jackson's Joy, which was a red ale. Uh, enjoyed that one to an extent. It was in the um, the Marzen style, so it was. I got that partially because it's Oktoberfest-ish. It's adjacent to that kind of world, and so it fit that that bill. You know, there's a little more yeast in there, which I'm not a huge fan of the yeasty flavor, but uh, did a nice job of being a red ale with 325. They also had one called Daywalker, which was a another red, but this one was like a ginger red, which hence the Daywalker part, which I got a huge kick out of the name on that at least. That was another 325. Again, solid beer. Nothing amazing, but the ginger piece in there wasn't overwhelming, which I appreciated. And this is a place that I can tell they don't artificially flavor their stuff. They actually just brew it in there. Uh, and they had a, one that gave it 3.5, a Lovely Day IPA, which is kind of their, their flavored IPA. It's an orange and lavender one. And lavender is one of those things that can be very overwhelming if you don't do it right. I feel like these guys did it right. Again, it still wasn't like a transcendent beer. It was a very solid one, but the lavender was just in the nose, and then you didn't drink it. So you weren't drinking flowers, right? You just had that lavender hit you when you when you brought the glass up to your mouth, and then it was the orange and the IPA, but it wasn't a hoppy one. It was definitely an easy one to drink. Now, my favorite one, which usually you and I talk about this, like when we do beers on Untapped, it's usually we're you know half a point or more lower than everybody else, right? This one, yep, the black squirrel which is a mm. smoked porter. I was higher on than other people, and I figured out why when I talked to the guys at the brewery. I gave it a 3.5. I think it was like a 3.2 is what everyone else gave it. Here's why. Just like you and I, you have a peated scotch. This is a peated beer. They actually use peat when they make the beer. I do. Yeah, to get the smoke in there. And they, it was kind of almost a salty smoke, in my opinion. Uh, and so I enjoyed it. I was curious, like I actually, actually I had to ask, I was like, is this like smoke flavoring that you put in this? Or is like, no, it was actual peat that they put in. So, uh, it was, it was an experience. It was the kind of beer that like, it would have been interesting to drink a, a, a pint of, but five ounces, it was awesome. A pint might've been a little overwhelming, but I really enjoyed it. And I really applaud them for, you know, taking a chance and, and making a peated beer. You don't see those very often. All right, time to jump into some deep dives. You've already been in the shallow end all day, so why don't you start us off with uh, your deep side of the offense? Okay, well, here's the thing. I did shallow dives, so I might, I got I got my six takes. I might save two of them for the sake of time and do them okay. on different days. All right. Just just to be fair, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But one, I will start offense here, man. I, I'm going to one of you know my my soft spot teams here with Boston College. Mm-hmm. I had to get somebody on here. I don't know if you've sure. looked at my guy Christian Mahogany yet. But Ooh, I love the interior name. lineman. He dude, he's been on my radar for a while. I, I was mm-hmm. kind of avoiding talking about him because I thought it was my bias, but just this week I started poking around and kind of looking at like those mock draft simulators right. and seeing how they go. Okay. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't being biased. His name's up there pretty high. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought he was a guy who'd be a day two pick and could play his way into late first round. And, mm-hmm. well, it looks like he's definitely a day two pick at this point for most people. <laughs> he Dude, sure. he's big. He's strong. He uses his hands so well. Um, he's not he's not the most athletic guy. Like, he's not, he's not fast and whatnot, but he's, mm-hmm. like, sneaky agile. Like, he's got good okay. feet. Like, he, he moves well, but he ain't getting there quick. He's not going to be your pulling guard or anything <laughs> like that, okay? Right. Um, as a true freshman, he played, like, double-digit games. He only allowed two sacks. As a sophomore this past year, played, like, pretty much every game. Um, mm-hmm. He only allowed one sack. Right. Um, 
So where's the negative on this guy? I'm just here to tell you, even though I'm a fan of him, because he, he's your phone booth guy. He's big. He's right. extremely strong. I like him. But his stance, man, is so <laughs> awkward. Mm-hmm. His right leg is always kicked back. It's always so it's like back. he's ready it, to do a like a pass protection every play or something. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is, but it seems like he's off balance in one leg, the right leg always. It's never the left. He doesn't change it up. The right leg right. is always kicked back. So it just seems to me like what if you cut inside to the right of him because you're looking the other way. So what if you right. cut if you got somebody fast who cuts into the right, he's going to get beat on that interior route, but it was to the mm-hmm. point where I was like, dude, it's so awkward. Like, I feel like this could, he could get destroyed against better competition with this. So I actually cheated and went to a different – searched all over to read everyone else's <laughs> takes on him. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever mentions this stance. All they do is praise the guy for the angles that he takes when people are getting in his face. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. So you wonder the if stance. the stance is something that he is using to compensate for not being like maybe he they tried to get him to do the normal stance and it just doesn't he doesn't flow as well as balance enough. is set that way. Who maybe he's got some weird like left leg power thing going on that he likes to push off that leg differently or something. That's interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. I hate the stance, but nobody else mentions it. But I tell you what, I like this guy plays mean too. Sure. And that's what you look for in a guard specifically. Well, so. And he was, uh, and can tell you this, the the PFF side of things, he was an eighty-two-seven last year, seventy-three-three this year. So it seems like he's had a few more penalties this year. Is really what it's been. Okay, I, I don't, you know, and I don't hate that. I mean, I wouldn't. After seeing his stance, let me rephrase this: I wouldn't take him in the first <laughs> round. I'd be fine sure. with taking a shot at him in the second round. The stance is just a little too mm-hmm. weird for me, and apparently, I'm the only person that. Thinks that that's important that. Well, so for far. now, you're going to hear about that later on, dude. You're always in front of that stuff. Uh, we'll see. Uh, my, so, just the second guy I want to talk about, small school guy here. Ooh. We'll talk about Troy Horton. Okay. Dude, this guy, why are you smiling, Dan? I just because I remember we talked about and the Horton Here's a Who thing just popped in my head, but also I remember you talking about him and how much you uh, like this dude. So, let's go. Dude, so I made a note to talk about him because. Well, first of all, I really, like, I got mad when I was watching the, the film because I blocked it out of, out of my mind of that beautiful <laughs> touchdown grab he had on Michigan last year. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Uh, but I made a note about this guy because, you know, it was the Colorado-State Colorado game for whatever right. reason. You know, the Colorado games get, well, for whatever reason, because it's primetime, get it? Uh, right, yeah. They always get the TV slot, so it's always on. Yeah. Yep. Watch more Colorado football than Michigan football, it feels like. It's so silly. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling dude, this guy, this was when Travis Hunter was there. All right, let me just read my notes how they are. He's tall. <laughs> he's lean. He's mm-hmm. fast. He can do it all, but he's more of a deep threat. He tracks the ball extremely well. A very awesome catch. Like, all awesome catches, like, over the shoulder. They always just seem mm-hmm. to go there, and he's got a little bread basket there for it, and he just he doesn't drop them. Gets it mm-hmm. every time. Tons of production. Last year, I forget, he was like 70 grabs for like 1,100 yards, and I forget how many touchdowns, tons of production. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most of the Colorado game, like I said, he was matched up against, as Dion would say, a future number one overall (laughs) draft pick, Travis Hunter. Okay, guess what Mm -hmm. Troy Horton did? Lit him up. He went 16 for 133 in a touchdown. Oh, Mm -hmm. and he got tired of playing wide receiver, so he threw a touchdown too. (laughs) And he also took a couple punt returns. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know when this guy's going to go. 
to be honest with you, he feels like a day two guy to me, like probably I mean, day three or so, just because he's you a small. You see what he runs, guy, though. Small, or, if he know. runs fast. Oh, he's going to run fast. He's going to run in the four fours at least. Dude, he feels like. That's what I'm saying. He feels he like A.J. Green. He right. feels like A.J. Green to me. Mm-hmm. He's a day two guy for me right now. Sure. Well, here's the interesting thing. So I looked him up. Uh, we were talking about him. Uh, he's lined up in the last two games because he's mostly was he was outside the first two games. Last two games, he's had 13 and 15 snaps in the slot. So it's they're moving him around the formation too. So it's not just him, you know, beaning it down the sideline. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how they continue to use him. But again, his his usage numbers, his stats. The dude's had nine, sixteen, ten, and ten catches in you know the games that he's played. He didn't play a week two, but the rest of the it's nuts. He's he is clearly their go-to guy. He's already at forty-five catches for the year. Uh, the only thing is he he's not going for quite the same numbers that he did last year in the sense of the yards per reception. But I don't think Colorado State cares. <laughs> no, that's it. I was only doing a two, so it's on it's oh, on right. to you, man. Well, I, got well, some I did. Guys. I feel like I did like four shallow right. dives just to yeah, get you, more players in the gauntlet. Bit. So, yeah, well, I'm going to be I'm going to be sliding three at you plus a quick little uh, curious, not even just a shout out uh, on the back end of it. But the first one we're talking about, and if you'll notice, I didn't talk about him during the other pits because we haven't done a dive on him yet. But Jaden Daniels, a quarterback for LSU, six foot four inch, two hundred ten pound guy, uh, who has been you know somewhat uh, impressive and then somewhat infuriating for people th- over the last couple seasons. But this year so far, you know, dude's completing seventy three percent of his passes, sixteen touchdowns, the to two picks. He's already got seventeen hundred yards in like his first what five six games. Uh, again, the team's three and two, so you can knock him for his second half against uh, Florida State if you want to. But he didn't. It wasn't his fault why they lost the game to. Ole Miss, but uh, he's one of those guys that's he's an agile <laughs> runner. He's he's definitely somebody who can dance around a bit, make guys miss when they get out there. Because again, even though he's six four, he's not six four and two thirty. Who is going to like try to throw a shoulder? He will make you miss out there. Uh, and again, so we talk about him as a runner, but also as a passer. The dude has has good touch of the deep balls. It seems like uh, it does seem like he's a little bit behind in his crossing routes at times, and that's a concern when it comes to placement of the football. Uh, but it's still in an area where he's completing almost three quarters of his passes, so his, his receivers are able to to get the ball even if it is an ideal placement. Because you always see that if a guy's got to kind of turn his, his his shoulders back a little bit to catch a ball, it always concerns me for the quarterback because that's the kind of stuff that'll get swatted away at the next level. But Jaden Daniels. And again, as much as I don't like to give Brian Kelly any credit for anything, uh, he's he's doing well on that offense. And we've seen you know quarterbacks play well in a Brian Kelly offense before. And so, uh, so far, so good for Jaden Daniels. Now, again, they still have a tough schedule coming up when you look at uh, where things are at for you know the SEC and for LSU. I mean, this week against Missouri, as is, is much as we don't usually count Missouri as a tough game, this is a game that they need to win if they're going to even have a dream of trying to compete for the, the SEC title. So they've got to get by there. And then, you know, you look forward for uh, for LSU and they've got games, you know, against, uh, I believe they still have the, the game against Alabama to come up too. So, and Auburn and all that. So we're going to learn a lot more about Jaden Daniels over the next few weeks to see if he can continue to trend towards that that top tier of the quarterback class. And that's what's going to be fun, dude. There are so many quarterbacks that are worth talking about this year, which is kind of annoying because people always talk about it's become more of a quarterback game anyways. But there are a lot of guys, unlike last year, where we were uh, you know, a little concerned about maybe after the top two or three. There's going to be 10 guys that we can talk about that are top three, you know, two, three round guys uh, coming out this year. So it should be a lot of fun. Another guy I'm going to talk about, because I don't think either of us have talked about this guy from U of M yet, but Zach Zinter 
has been on a lot of people's boards we, as we one of the top dive, cards. We, we talked about him a little bit, yeah. Right. Well, we're doing a little bit of a dive. And so this mm-hmm. year, uh, he was good last year. He's been even better this year, right? Uh, he's definitely, to me, he feels like kind of one of those road graders. He's been consistent. His run blocking, a lot of guys you see, maybe they have a great pass blocking number or you see that those those numbers are really good and the run blocking numbers aren't as good. He's consistently good in both pass blocking and run blocking. Uh, it seems like he anchors well. When you watch him as he's diagnosing where the defensive line is going, he's really good at starting a block here and passing that off to another guy and coming back and getting the second one. So he's diagnosing plays well. And this this dude is a guard, though. Let's not, like, we talk about some guys that are tackles, guards, whatever, move around centers. He, he did like Osiris Torrance last year, not quite in the same vein, but in that ballpark of a guy that's just like, okay, he's meant to play guard. Zach Zinter's meant to play guard. Sit him there. And I think, uh, unlike a guy you're talking about that maybe doesn't have the athleticism, I feel like Zinter does have the ability to pull and to move around. He seems like he's a little bit more, uh, a little bit better with his lateral quickness. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop. But he is one of the big pieces of that Michigan offensive line, and it's been good to see him continue to play well this year. And so we'll, we'll continue to talk about him as the season goes on and as he continues to pop holes for Michigan guys. Two more players I want to talk about real quick uh, from the small school side. <laughs> Fresno State wide receiver Jalen Gill. Might have screwed up his name, but this is a dude who how played many, at Boston How many deep dives have you done right now? Are you on like this right now? My third. <laughs> my third. <laughs> Okay, I just got to give you a tough time. <laughs> now, here's the thing, though. So, Gill is a guy that played at Boston College the last several years and had uh, one or two big games there, but definitely made a step down. He also was at Ohio State for a hot minute to begin his, his career, so he's on his third team. So, he took the step down in competition, and it's so far working out for him. Uh, he never had more than 29 catches in a season. He's already got 28 this year, had a big game uh, last week against Nevada, who, again, Nevada not a spectacular defense by any stretch of the imagination, but he is getting open and making things happen, and he's got the speed, he's got the route running uh, to be able to impress people. But again, Fresno's played well against the teams they've played so far, uh, including uh, walking into, I want to say it was Ohio, I think, at the beginning of the year and got a win there. Uh, but... We're still waiting to see him against some top-tier competition. So he's not necessarily going to be a gauntlet guy, but he is a guy that I want to keep an eye on to see if he plays well the couple times he's going to have to step up in competition because that was when he had issues the last couple seasons. He didn't necessarily play well against the best teams. So can he play well against teams that are at that higher level? Then we'll find out as the season goes on. And then i got to give a quick shout-out for uh, old Dominion running back, Kadarius Calloway. This is a dude who had like three carries coming into this past week. And then he went for eight and like 215 yards. So he had a couple huge home run hits, uh, six foot, 210 pound junior. So again, no idea if we'll ever talk about him again, but I'm curious to see if he can follow it up with another big game. All right, get you defense. I mean, that's a tough game to, that's a tough game to top right there. Right. All right. I got to start off the defense with a guy that off the air, you tried to, give me a little bit of grief for for not talking about for anybody listening to the show go back to last year because i talked about this guy a ton (laughs) last year i even referenced him a couple times this year i'm just not paying attention when you talk dude i guess so (laughs) i guess so uh well i'm gonna talk about peyton wilson here Mm -hmm. okay from north carolina state the old wolf pack here so here's the thing about one bright spot hey did you know Here's the thing. Did you know that his? I'm not a big baseball guy, so I might mess up his name. But Bryce Wilson for the he played for Atlanta, a pitcher. That's okay. his bro. That's his All brother. Right. The Braves. Athleticism in that family. Yeah, it's a little bit of pedigree there. But here's the problem, man. I'm just gonna start with this because I don't want to end on a salty note. 
Mm-mm. Dude had he he's had a couple knee surgeries now, and he's had surgery mm. on both shoulders. Jeez. All right, so that's a concern. Yes. He's a long linebacker. He's definitely more of an outside linebacker. I know in, uh, I think it was 2020, he had, you know, over 100 tackles, and then this past mm-hmm. year, like 80 or so. But he, he's more of an outside linebacker. He's got an extremely high motor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say he's more of an outside linebacker because he's not the greatest in coverage, okay? He's he's made some plays, ironically. He's got five interceptions in his career. But, mm-hmm. no, you watch his tape, that's not that's not his M.O. Not his he, he, he Yeah, he's an outside linebacker, edge rusher type guy, especially mm-hmm. with the size that he has. But, like I say, 2020 and 2022, very, very, very good production. But um, at the end of the day with these injuries, he's probably a late day three pick or a UDFA. I hate to say it, mm-hmm. but I'm here to tell you, if, if those injuries were never there, <laughs> he, he would be a guy that we, we'd be talking about in day two. Sure. For sure. Um, so if he finds so, a way to stay healthy the rest of this year, you might see some people try to talk themselves into moving him up just because it's like, okay, he had a good year. But yeah, that is a concern. Yeah, it might, yeah, it'd be a guy that they. When when we say move up, it'd be a guy they would draft. Still, I don't see any way he goes higher than like the fifth round. He's got a very lengthy injury. I mean, that's four surgeries, man. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that at any point in life. So, uh, yeah, you, some teams might take a shot. What I would say is he's a guy that even if he goes undrafted, he goes and plays for whoever he wants and. Proves that he can stay healthy, kind of the health version of like an Ivan Ivan Pace. Sure, you know he proved that he is he was undersized. Proved that he can do it in the pros, and he, he did. So maybe this is a UDFA guy who gets picked up right away, and like, okay, go prove you can stay out there, man. He's, mm-hmm. Maybe he does it. Um, <laughs> last guy for me, because like I said, I'm only going to do two and two, considering all my little shallow dives here. Uh, I don't know if you caught on to the, my reference when you're talking about Newton being the top. Uh, interior lineman. Mm-hmm. I think mine has changed. Okay. I did a dive on Leonard Taylor the third here for Miami. Dude, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like him too. Dude is he's big. He's athletic, but my goodness, the burst that this guy gets that comes from <laughs> the lower body. You know, mm-hmm. like you look at so here's the thing. You look at and nothing against Newton at all. Like you look at Newton, he's he's a bigger guy. He's bigger up top, if you know what I mean. Right. Mm-hmm. You look at Taylor Let's just be honest. This guy, this guy doesn't have a belly on him, and mm-hmm. he, he, you look at the weight that he's still packing, and you're like, "How does he weigh that much?" Like, oh, you look from the waist down on this fella. <laughs> mm-hmm. Couple tree tons trunks. of power. Oh yeah, tons of power coming out of this guy. He, he's he's pretty lean and pretty cut, at least in my opinion, for an interior mm-hmm. D lineman. But the worst part about it is, or the best part, depending on how you look at it, he's got great <laughs> instincts. He's mm-hmm. a great tackler. I walked away from watching deep dive tape on this. I was mm-hmm. really struggling to find like a weakness in my opinion. Um, I, I remember I, I went to try to read some uh, some other sites takes on this guy, what his yeah. weaknesses are, and I laughed. I'm like, no, I didn't see any of that. So I don't even remember what they are. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. I walked away and I was just like, dude, I think I like my note. My final note here is I think I like him better than Newton. Mm-hmm. Um and I think this guy is deserving of, of the first round at this point. Sure. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I I, I would say that I do. i, I got to change. Newton is two. Leonard Taylor III is now my number one interior D lineman. I want you to watch the tape. I, the power mm-hmm. coming out of the lower body was just impressive to me, man. Yeah, he's a guy I've been intrigued about, but obviously he's at your team, so I was letting you take care of him. Uh, I'm going to do a couple defensive linemen. 
because we're just on that that run right now. And uh, interior guys, right? So all the big boys in the middle. Which I mean, if you if you caught the last show we did last week, talking about some NFL teams, especially in the AFC, that need interior defensive linemen. At least there's some bodies we can throw them their way. Howard Cross, the third with Notre Dame, is one of those guys. He's not the same type of player though as your boy there. He's a six foot, two hundred eighty pound guy. So he's definitely more in the Kalaja Kansi end of things. He doesn't have the same burst and penetration that Kansi does. He's he does get in there as a three technique, but he's not at that level. I saw him where you watch the game against Duke. He had thirteen tackles, but a lot of those were assisted tackles. He came in and cleaned up, uh, which which is good. I mean, not complaining about a guy who can come in and and, and put three hundred almost three hundred pounds on top of someone. Uh, but I did see a lot of uh, hand movement with him, a lot of quick hands, a lot of, of, of ability to to fight off those kinds of blocks. He's not necessarily going to come in and collapse a pocket, but he's also not going to creating lanes for anybody to run past him. Uh, the only real big, uh, I guess, negative from him was that he was the reason why Riley Leonard got hurt. Kind of rolled up on him at the end of that last play there. So, again, he got around, got made the play, and then just kind of caught him wrong. And you see certain plays. I don't think Riley Leonard has any ill will toward him. But you see certain players who complain about, oh, that was a dirty player. That was a – like, sometimes, yes, there are dirty plays in football. A lot of the times, it's a guy trying to make a play and things get awkward. It's like you've got large humans running around trying to, to do stuff, and it just – it just happens. It's a problem sometimes. Uh, but yeah, Howard Cross, definitely a different style defensive uh, lineman. Very much more that three technique. He's not a nose tackle at all. Uh, but so far, so good for him. We'll continue to watch and see because he's picked up a lot of tackles for a guy uh, that's on the interior. He only had 35 was his highest. And he's already at 36. So curious to see how he continues to play. Uh, another Do you guy care if I tag, you care go if ahead I tag, tag back in, in man. real quick? Yeah. So it bugged me that I, I, I said that... Uh, I couldn't remember. I, so I went at the Leonard table the third. I'm back on him. I had to go look at these weaknesses, right? So right. I'm just going to poke a little fun. So I'm going to read the strengths <laughs> that you know some of these sites say about him. Mm-hmm. Quick to react and locate the ball. Uh, great instincts, excellent balance, strong, right. flexible, uh, great power in hands, can anchor and shed and chase. Mm-hmm. Weaknesses, weaknesses. Frequently fails to locate the ball in the run game. Wait a second. I thought you said reacts and locates the ball quickly. Great instincts. Okay, Uh debunked. Uh, This is is their strengths and weaknesses, all the same site. And then what did the last one say? Uh, Great hand power and hands and can anchor and shed and chase. Uh, Inconsistent with hand use. (laughs) It's almost like whoever writes those things, their boss said, okay, you need two positives and two negatives. He's like, I don't have any negatives. I just, just, just rewrite what I just said for the positives. Done. Yeah, I'm done. I just had to point that out because, like I say, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> see silly. anything that was a glaring weakness yet. I'm sure I'll find something that bugs me a little bit, but that is silly. looks pretty pretty solid and i think i forgot to mention he's six three three oh five man golly well i'm about to talk about another six foot three three oh five guy that i think you like as well but i'm stealing him because he's a michigan player and that's chris jenkins yeah. what's your take on chris jenkins i think he's probably just you know as a as, i don't want to say too much because it's your dive here but i would say that he's probably the most overlooked d lineman right now i mm-hmm. mean i definitely have newton and taylor above him but dude, right. there's a world. There's a world by season's end that he passes one or maybe both those guys. I doubt it, but there's a world where sure. that could happen. 
Well, the interesting thing about him is he doesn't have the counting stats that people like to look for when you're looking at these kinds of players. And that's mm-hmm. indicative of a lot of defensive interior guys because they don't get the sacks as much. They don't necessarily get a ton of tackles. What they do is they free up everybody else on the team to make those plays. But, again, he's got an 86 right now from Pro Football Focus, which, again, I realize you know you have your, your druthers about. But it's, it shows that he does the things that even if he doesn't get stat numbers, he's affecting the game in a positive way. Uh, again, a very solid anchored body. He fights off double teams because he's double teamed almost all the time, even if it's just a chip block, a one and a half. He gets team. a lot of he's, tackles, though, too. He does. Um, but the thing, too, that is interesting about how he plays his game and how Michigan uses him is he's a nose tackle sometimes. He's a one slot sometimes. He's a three at other times. They've even kind of split him out a little further, almost not quite a five, but close to it. And so a guy who has that versatility to move around where they position him on the line and at his size at 6'3", 305, again, he's not 330 pounds, but he moves well for his size. And so Chris Jenkins is a guy that... I forget what game it was. He Didn't he get a pick this year, too? Yeah, yeah, the one that just kind of got his hands up in the air. What game was that? I don't remember off the top of my head. It was a couple games ago. But yeah, it's like I think he got his hands up in the air on a... On a, I don't yeah. know if it's a screen pass or not, but yeah, it's like any t- look. First off, you and I this are both fun. big fans of any time yeah. a big man can get himself an interception. We're always, always on board, you know, with that sort of thing happening. I just uh, like he, seeing him run with the ball. Yeah, he had the pick against Bowling Green, so yes. I think that was that was the one where he uh, he just kind of floated back. I think he he diagnosed a screen. You know, got back there and, and made that grab. So, but he's just had uh, he he actually had his his if you will worst game against Nebraska so far this year, and it was still you know incredibly solid. And so, not a guy that I'm I'm worried about dropping, if you will, in his draft stock. This is a player that's going to be in the conversation for the top defensive lineman. He might be the third or fourth guy off the board in that grouping. But as we talked about, there are teams that need players like this in the NFL. And so I'll be curious to see where he comes out at the end of the season. And they got one more guy I want to talk about that I'm, I don't know where he's going to go. He's probably more of a day three guy. Uh, but that's Alec Mock from the Air Force Academy. Linebacker, six foot three, 240-pound guy who's very much a Mike-styled linebacker. Uh, had 65 tackles last year, 35 this season. Uh, you can tell that he has good instincts. You can tell he moves he moves in to attack the run game very well. Uh, but you can also tell – I would notice some of the highlights where it, what he doesn't do well is he doesn't do change of direction quite as well. He doesn't do those quick uh, twitch moves as well as you'd like to see out of some of these guys. Uh, but he definitely seems like a thumping kind of middle linebacker that a lot of teams could use but I don't think he's going to be a high pick necessarily. And I also don't know what the rules are coming out of the Air Force, what he has to do as far as his uh, commitments and those kinds of things. But they usually try to find ways to get things around for that. But again, at 6'3", 240, that's the kind of player that you'd like to see as a middle linebacker in the NFL. So definitely curious to see what happens with Alec Mock as they go through this because Air Force is going to be a team that continues to get more and more uh, airtime this year, if you will, because of the way that they're playing out there and they are looking like the best team in the Mountain West. And so you continue to play like that, you're going to get more people exposed to you, and we'll see if uh, more people jump on the Alec Mock bandwagon. Anything else you want to wrap up with this week, bud? Uh, No, I was. There's a guy that I I hadn't been on my radar. I don't want to say Mm -hmm. who he is or what team he. I'll say what team he plays for. I'll let some people wonder, but he was not on my radar. He's actually a candidate for my deep dive this week. Uh huh. But uh, he could. He plays for Florida. 
Okay. And he might be moving way up my board, not too far up there, but way up. Like, well, he wasn't <laughs> on the radar, so clearly he's going to be moving up. But right, um, yeah, I'm excited to do a dive on this guy because I did a dive, but I want to do more of a dive on him. So okay. I, look, I look forward to the Florida guy next week. It's going to be a fun chat. Well, there you go, and you do love your gators. All right, well, hey, that wraps us up for this episode. Now, here's where it gets fun for us because we did this last year. We're going to continue to do this this year, even with doing the whole college game pro game. Well, you know what? We're roughly at the quarter mark of the season, which means it's our first shot at a mock draft based off of where the teams are at right now in the NFL. And you know what that means, dude? It means that next show, we've got a mock draft, and Chicago has the top two picks. (laughs) I know. We can put those ones on the board right now. Are we? No, no. So what are we going to do next week? Just skip the gauntlet, do the mock draft and deep dives? No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We just want you guys to know that there's mock drafts coming. You know why? Because we want to be silly about how quickly we get into this stuff. And we'll let you know what's coming up, so make sure you're paying attention on Draft Draft. Draft.